In fairness to myself, I wanted to see like <laughs> I wanted to see what's the quickest time I could torpedo an episode. <laughs> I don't think this is going to be beaten. This is like Santino getting eliminated from the Rumble. Like <laughs> oh. I wasn't ready. Oh, I wasn't ready. You've sunk me like the Belgrano there. I mean, it's it's very apt because, of course, of my editing schedule, this will come out the first before. <laughs> I mean, well, well, now you've got a deadline, so you better stick to it. Um, so, uh, my name is uh, George Thompson. I'm here with uh, David and Daniel, as always. Welcome to episode 19 of the Puri Puri podcast. And uh, today we are going to start a trilogy of episodes under the uh, Match Microscope format. Now, if you haven't listened to our podcast before, what the Match Microscope is, is we each pick a famous match from the history of professional wrestling in Japan and do a sort of deep dive on it. So these are shorter episodes than our usual sort of fare. Uh, but... Um, yeah, they're, uh, they're, they're just like little bite-sized chunks, and we'll, we tend to pick matches that they m- might fall outside, you know, our usual thing of uh, choosing a, a certain angle to cover in depth, but uh, they're worth making the detours for. Um, but uh, before we uh, start doing this match and uh, discussing it and whatnot, um, any, any, so what's new, what's new? How's things? <laughs> um, well, um, in... In in, in in news that will be both like well that could be uh, shocking, um, perhaps also heartening um, uh, to, to people listening to this uh, this podcast. Um, I've um, oh, I, I I don't drink anymore or take drugs, so my contributions to these podcasts will either improve like exponentially or um, or or be utterly unlistenable. Um, so um, yeah, uh, that that's happened. Um, I'm also very, very happy because um, um, my team won the league um, uh, yesterday. So congratulations um, on winning the 2020-21 Premier um, yeah, League. Yeah, 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 yeah. So that's not dated this episode at all. Um, but uh, yeah, so um, Pep Guardiola's I, here for five in a row. Yep, he is. Yep, yep. <laughs> uh, we still still managed to win the European Cup. We still went out to Spurs. Um, but um, <laughs> yeah, so um, I, I'd like to apologise in advance if my contributions are in any way wayward. Uh, but um, they always have been. Uh, they'll just be for different reasons now. Um, yeah. So um, if anyone wants to get at me on Twitter at the Ultimate Poo um, to express. Um, encouragement and solidarity uh, during my um, recovery process and um, please please do get in touch but uh, other than that I'm, I'm pretty good I haven't watched any wrestling um since about january as i was just saying to uh to these guys uh, because i've just had other stuff going on 
but um, I'm about to dive uh, back in, and obviously the stuff we watched today doesn't count because it's it's old. But it was really nice to revisit it, so I'm I'm good. I'm good. It's nice just, to be here again. Just to give you an impression of how out of the loop Daniel is, like uh, we, we, he has just learned uh, via uh, the medium of us <laughs> that uh, Kofi Kingston won the WWE Championship at uh, WrestleMania, and uh, yeah. and immediately thought that like wait wait a minute, am I still drunk? And then we decided <laughs> we needed to like shield him from any surprising wrestling news that could mess with his head in a kind of goodbye Lenin type situation. So uh, yeah, and then, and then someone told me that uh, is it Michael Taven or Michael Tarver as the Ring of Honor champion? Which one is it? Ma- Matt Ta- Matt Taven, Ma- Matt Michael Tarver is the guy from uh, the Nexus. Michael Tarver, Matt. Ta- that's right. Like, see. Hold on, Matt. Is Matt Taven actually the ROH champion? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He no, he is. He won it. He won it at the uh, yeah the the MSG show. It was like. I've I've never I've never known a show like it. It was like, well, the way the way I put it on Twitter was like, you know, when you get paired up uh, to do a presentation with someone at school and they're an absolute dumb shit and also do no work. So basically, you try and write the presentation so they have to contribute as little as possible and they still fuck it up. That was New Japan's contribution to the MSG show in comparison with ROH's uh, contribution because, like, mother of God, like uh, the. The state of it. I mean, New, New Japan like did the usual thing where like some really great matches: Abushi versus Naito, uh, Tanahashi versus Saber, um, Okada in the main event winning back the IWGP title. ROH meanwhile uh, presented uh, a, a twenty-minute Bully Ray segment, um, <laughs> brought, brought in Enzo and Big Cass in a work shoot, oh my god, and some and somehow managed like to have a one-star Mayu Iwatani match, which shouldn't even be fucking possible. Jesus Christ! Uh, it, you, know, it, you know what, lads? Actually, I'm 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 giving up this wrestling lock. <laughs> I'm, I'm, go, I'm going full straight edge. <laughs> it, it was the best of times. It was the worst. Of it genuinely times. was like the um. I mean, the the the, the most notable thing that's happened. I'm um, just thinking about like what's happened to me recently. Um, uh, got got a Twitter like off of uh, Jungle Kiona of Stardom fame in like in quite amusing circumstances. Basically, she'd done a blog post where she'd. Uh, she posted the words to the uh, the old like university drinking song, the one that goes, "We like to drink with blank because blank is our mate, and when we drink with blank, they get it down in eight, seven, six, five, etc." I was like, "How has she learned that?" Because I wholly associate that song with posh lads in my halls. So I, I just haven't even heard of that. Well, like, it's, it's, I, it's, to, it's, I went to university and I drunk heavily, but I've never. You didn't go. To, you didn't go to Durham though. Do you know why, so like, do you, know why, do you know why, Daniel? Because you're working class. Right? <laughs> That's why. But um, well, so I I retweeted her blog post with the caption, "All right, which one of you Durham University fucks taught Kiona this song?" And then and then she <laughs> liked she liked the retweet. But you know how sometimes when a um a wrestler from another country, you retweet something of theirs and they like it, and you it might be something like what I might call a courtesy like, where they don't understand what you've written but they're like oh they've uh, retweeted me i'm going to like it just to be polite kenta kabashi does it loads and then uh, and then i'll um survival to beat it did it for us <laughs> as well i remember i posted something about survival to beat it. he just replied hello <laughs> but then our uh, our pal matt a friend of the podcast uh said like who has met jungle kyo and says oh her english is actually very good so she definitely understood that tweet <laughs> so wow. it's just like okay cool good of uh Put my foot in it royally once more online, so that's uh, that's good. I'm trying to think of anything new has happened to me. Um, I am trying to wash the blood off my hands in preparation for the Eurovision Song Contest. Oh yes. Uh, um, I didn't tell you, Daniel, but I'm donating fifty quid to a Palestinian aid charity. Is this a bit? Like, is this a bit cred- like in the Alan Partridge film where they accidentally kill the Irish bloke and Lindo donates some money to Sinn Fein? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> Pretty much, yes. Cool. No, 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 um, no, no, obviously, all, all in favour. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I like the fact that you were like that. You, that you did give me that uh, that that caveat as well. You know, it's like just Daniel, just just, just in case you're uh, you're twitching a little bit there. You know, like uh, I'm devastated. Yeah, Eurovision's usually uh, like I'm queer. Eurovision's like the best fucking night of the year. Usually, I can't even fucking enjoy it. <laughs> Thanks, Israel, and your fucking settler colonialist fucking barbarous state. Uh, yeah. <laughs> although, although absolute scenes when France win it and then Arab lifts a trophy in Israel. Oh, um, a trans a Arab winning. Oh, you know what? You know what? Maybe, maybe I'll watch it on the um on, on YouTube the clips afterwards. Then in that case. <laughs> but um, uh, but um, oh, I um also Party Festival or uh, Party Festival Infinite War as I like to call it. <laughs> um, it's going on. Um, I genuinely wrote a letter to you uh, with your DVD for Section 94 that outlines all of the issues of Bardo Fissel. It's like six pages long. So um, I had some personal feelings that I didn't want to, you know, just like, yeah. rot somewhere. So I thought I'd send them to you. I mean, sometimes um, it just helps to get things out and put it on, you know, put pen to paper and just get Yeah, exactly. It, it helps to write something the length of the Unibomber Manifesto about your, uh, your team's failings. It does. Yes, it does. absolutely. Yes. Um, oh, did I did I tell you uh, Gary Caldwell is hosting a David Brent esque evening on Wednesday where he will I quote um, give fans some genuine football insight. That was ah. actually in the presser. Is it genuine is it, football is insight? Is it an evening with dot 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 Gary Caldwell? Uh, no, it's the se- no, it's even better. The season ahead. <laughs> oh wow! Is it dot 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 wow, question excellent. mark though? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, he has. He, he is doing an Andy Townsend's tactics truck. He has videos set up. He's going to go through games from last season and where we went wrong and, and like oh my proper. God. It's proper. This, this is like Gary Caldwell. A... You've been the best. Thank you. This is yeah. like some fucking Maoist uh, self criticism. <laughs> Seriously. Uh, oh well. Oh, well, well, oh um, I, I, I was fairly self-critical. I don't know if you've seen my post on Saturday being critical of the club, saying that they're giving us no opportunity to voice. Get, tell me how to participate in the club to the chairman, and she just ignored me. <laughs> and, uh, and I was like, you don't need to do it in public. You can DM me. I'm happy to have a discourse of yep. a private message if it's too embarrassing. No DMs. Nope. Nobody messaged me. Nope. They don't care. Nope. Um, they can, so, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. They, they they get rid of our club legends. We also got rid of Christy Elliott, who's, who who uh, put the ball in the Adrian Air, as we all know. So, but have they still? I mean, it's just have they still got the horrifying David Trigley mascot though? That's the main thing. Yeah. Yes. Although I'm pretty sure he. I'm pretty sure Gaddy Caldwell will sell him off to fucking. Ears if, or something if they like shit that. can Kingsley, uh, I'm never watching football again. No, <laughs> it's over. AFC Farhill will will rise up, yeah. and I'll be playing at the Farhill Complex with Kingsley yeah. and fucking centre mid. Um, but yeah, so um, great times for me. But I'm on holiday. I've got ten days off. Taking take the opportunity yeah. to get a bit of a uh, bit, bit of recording in. Uh, so with that in mind, shall we? Um, so yeah, the match we have got in store for you on uh, this episode. This is Daniel's pick, and uh, yeah. I I kind of punched the air when I looked in the group chat and saw that he had suggested this one because like, I really love this match and I thought it'd be a really interesting one to do an episode about. So the yeah. the date is the twenty second of May, nineteen eighty four. We're in All Japan Pro Wrestling, and Kerry Von Erich is defending the NWA Heavyweight Championship in a two out of three falls match against noted country troubadour Jimbo Saruta so uh, <sighs> oh yeah. man I'm I'm, I'm I'm really excited about this match, not just because I love it but because we haven't really had the chance to talk about the NWA yet on this podcast not really, no 
no, not really, have we? No, not not in any. In any well, there's been nods to it, I suppose. Yeah, but, but we've not really it's... been able to go into it in any depth, have we? Yeah, I mean, yeah. now now that it's um uh, it's owned by you know uh, Billy Corgan from Zwan, uh, like it's uh, it's kind of a very different beast to um, <laughs> from Zwan. It's kind of a... Billy Corgan of Billy Corgan Rage of Roller Coaster Twitter. <laughs> That's right. It's, uh, it's kind of a very different beast to what it was, but like uh, fans who are sort of maybe focused more on newer wrestling uh, might be interested to know that from 1948, when the organisation was founded, until roughly about like the mid-80s, the NWA World Heavyweight Championship was the most prestigious title belt in pro wrestling worldwide. You know, that, so that's the USA, Mexico, Japan, like pretty much wherever. Um, it was a, a very big deal in uh, Japan. It was the belt that Ricardo had fought Luthez for back in 1957. Thought I'd get that one in there, and um, it was the reason why the um, you know no world championship in Japan at the time of this uh, this episode of recording uh, would claim itself as a world belt because that was the yeah. thing that was reserved for the uh, NWA title. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, um, at, at different points, um, I think this is correct. You might correct me, George, if this is wrong. At different points, both um, uh, All Japan and New Japan were, were members of the NWA, right? Yeah, that's right, yeah. And uh, JWA yeah, yeah. was back in the time. Uh, yeah, New Japan and yep. All Japan were uh, simultaneously members of the uh, NWA. That's right, yeah. They, they ha- didn't one of them have to have the chairmanship at some, at some point? Uh, that was... Uh, oh, God. I'm, Am I wrong? I'm trying to... Th- I know that New Japan nominally held the chairmanship of the WWF, but I'm not sure about the uh, ah, okay. about the NWA. But um, it was so. I mean, this was really like a a, a big umbrella organization. I think probably the um, regard in which the NWA belt is held uh, in Japan is probably higher than any place in the world, aside from say the sort of Kentucky Showgrounds and uh, and the like. Yeah. I mean, if you remember a few years ago when uh, Bruce Tharp era NWA, when mm. fucking Rob Conway and Big Daddy Yum Yum were coming over with the uh, the NWA. Well, I. I I bloody love Bruce Tharp because he was like basically just like a boring lawyer from Texas who was a wrestling fan. Yeah. And he bought the NWA and decided, okay, I'm going to accompany my wrestlers to uh, Japan for this cross-promotional thing. And then like a, a few months into this, he decided, hang on a minute, I can do whatever I want. I'm going to have a little bit of fun. So he started like wearing horn-rimmed glasses and wearing these yeah. bright velour jackets and yeah. cutting like qu- like quite sketchy promos about how American wrestlers are the strongest because they eat meat and the Japanese eat rice and stuff like that. Yeah. <laughs> and 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 actually, in in it, I mean, you know, we're having it, we're poking a little bit of light out in front of him, but in a genuine contribution to professional wrestling, um, uh, history, I suppose, and, and like a, a, a curation, um, he did uh, run the uh, the very uh, brief but burned ever so brightly NWA classics. Um, oh which, yes, um, yes. Actually, oh, yeah, um, actually brought to light um, some really really important footage, especially from like the Houston territory. Um, uh, Jose Lothario, who um, died not long ago. Um, <laughs> I've I've drunk a lot before. This could have been two years ago now. I can't remember. Um, But um, you know, um, some of the footage of uh, that he unearthed of of him, uh, him, uh, you know, at various different points in his career, um, really actually helped. I think a lot of people to see him as a lot more than just this, you know, weird old bloke that um, hung around Shawn Michaels for a bit in a really ill-conceived duo. Uh, in the in the sort of mid nineties in WWF, so um, actually you know yeah he, um, a bit of a a bit of a disaster in terms of some of the stuff that he did with uh, with New Japan, but certainly an important like contribution to to wrestling footage. Um, the the, you know, the, the best the best thing Bruce Tharp ever did in New Japan was like he uh, there was this 
decision, like there was a controversial finish to one of the NWA title matches where his man had lost, and he like penned a letter to uh, to the New Japan uh, board of directors, which was really which was really funny. Firstly, because it said from the law offices of Bruce Tharp Esquire in the uh, in the letterhead, and <sighs> and then it described him as um, National Wrestling Alliance Shacho, meaning chairman, in a in a document that had like no other words of Japanese. <laughs> it's absolute absolute scenes. Um, but basically, as far as so as far as this match goes, um, as far as the Japanese fans are concerned, their man, the top guy in their uh, promotion, as Jumbo was, he was the ace in the 1980s, really in all Japan. He is challenging for the world championship. Um, as far as the Von Eriks go, like um, I mean, let's try and keep it brief because there's a lot you can say Christ. about them. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, there's there's been there's reams and reams and reams of of writing and um and 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 documentaries and podcasts and you know all sorts of stuff about the Von Erich. So we don't need to. If you want to find out more about this stuff, um, I'd certainly recommend um uh, checking out. I mean, there's various different resources you can do. There's been two um uh, documentaries made. One of them is an official WWE one, which is actually pretty good by the standards of WWE. Um, there's it's also e- very grim. It's very it's grim. Very, very there's very a grim. there's an excellent and what I consider to be one of the best wrestling documentaries ever made actually a documentary called heroes of world class um which um is superb and about three hours long um and really well put together and if you so if you want to find out about the 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 incredibly um kind of important especially for um you know that particular um territory um the the, the dallas region um story of the von erics but also just one of the the great shakespearean wrestling tragedies um, then, re- really, you know, I do encourage you all to go and look at that. But that's not really what we're we're going to cover today. Although it might come into no, it. it's just um, it's it's kind of just useful for a bit of background, I think, because of course, um, yeah. Uh, well, as you may know, there was uh, six Von Erich brothers. Only one of them is still alive due to a uh, yeah. combination of you know mental health problems, addiction, and just sheer bad luck um, yeah. in in varying yeah. uh, combinations. Um, uh, Kerry being Kerry being one of them. Um, yeah, and uh, they were they were the, the sons of uh, Fritz. Von Eric, who was uh, mm. now he was a, a big name in the states, uh, certainly in Texas, yeah. and also in Japan he wrestled Rikidozan and, and Giant Barber, and also had a one-on-one oh. match with Jumbo Saruto as late as 1979. Yes, yeah, I was actually going to mention the Barber match because he has he, it, it used to be on YouTube. I don't know if it's still. It, I think it's from about 69 or 70, maybe, maybe yeah, I think it's something around that. It's superb. It's a yeah. really good, um, hard-hitting, brutal um, kind of um, you know a brawl. Um, uh, that match and uh, I'm well worth checking out actually I've seen very little actually of, of Fritz's stuff but the stuff I've seen I've actually liked a lot I mean um, it's the it's the I've, Texas death know. match isn't it that they have in yeah. like 67 yeah. or whenever it was in uh, JWA yeah. yeah that's well yeah. worth seeking out I mean the reason I mentioned yeah, good match. the reason I mentioned Fritz uh, is that uh, part of the uh, part of the story of this match is that the Von Erich Claw which is on the yeah. face of it quite a silly Massive quite party, a silly man. wrestling manoeuvre certainly by yeah. the standards of 1984 is so over and it really makes this match oh so... it's massively over yeah hugely over in this match I, yeah. I absolutely fucking love it um but I mean, that's that's the whole story of this match, yeah. you know, because I first heard about this in, as as legend before I'd even seen it, before I discovered Ditch and found that Ditch had it. Um, I people just refer to it as the hand match. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you you mentioned it to me, and I got like in the DMs, I got slightly confused. 
Yeah, 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 yeah. Just because I think of the sort of the third, the third fall, basically. Yeah, yeah. That that's the thing, actually. I wanted to just before we get into this, um, just to talk a little bit about the stipulation because I don't think we've done a two out of three falls match before on the podcast. So I don't know, Dave, David. What do you think of like two out of three falls as a as a stipulation, like maybe in the here and now? Well, I mean, I literally watched the Gargano call uh, um, yeah. two out of three falls match. Now, uh, in all fairness, I thought it was all right. Like, I didn't think it was, you know, Murrow Ronaldo screaming like he's in, you know, six three ninety four or anything like that, you know, but like, it was it was really good. I felt I felt the first fall definitely certainly suffered from it. I feel that there is a way to do these matches and I, I do really enjoy two out of three falls matches. I always enjoyed the the daft the three stages of hell matches, you know, the it's gonna be a singles match and then like an ambulance match and then like a you know, yeah, I quite uh, like those. Steel cage match, yeah, yeah, but the two or three falls matches generally are very good. Obviously, you get a lot on Lucha. I think Lucha has a better handle. They they do it. in a sense, but like sometimes they certainly in like on like CMLL undercards, they almost seem like ashamed of the stipulation, um, which they've sort of tied themselves to since like 1933. Because like very often the first two falls are over in like a couple of minutes, and then you like it. Just do just do a a, sing, a one fall match if you. Uh, if you're like gonna be as sort of perfunctory with the first uh, two falls as that, like which they they do have in Lucha, they've got the lightning matches they're called. Um, uh, yeah, know, yeah, Pargo, yeah, yeah, yeah. Triple A as well are pretty lax in the two or three falls. Certainly, there was a period where they were. I don't know if there are anymore, but um, yeah. Um, but with that, I mean, like I feel like two or three falls matches can be very, very good if you have. Uh, if you have if you have an idea as to what you want to do with it, if you know what I mean. So like if you if you have a two to three falls because you want to make a story arc, it can work very well. If you go, oh, we're having a two to three falls match, and then kind of have to work back from that, it, yeah. it doesn't work as well. If you know what like, I mean. I think NXT tends to do it well because like that is basically their sort of big feud ending stipulation. Um, in in that yes. territory, and so I'm, I'm not counting. I, I didn't. I thought the Gargano Cole match was quite good, but I'd say it was comfortably the weakest match on what was, albeit a sort of all timer of a of a takeover. And um, I, I know that Meltzer like absolutely spooged his loins over it, and um, and and a lot of other people did. But like a uh, uh, Eva, friend of the uh, friend of the podcast on Twitter, uh, did say like I've seen so many people say, oh yeah, the first two falls were quite slow, but like it got really really good at the end, five. Stars like surely the bare minimum for a match to be deemed five stars is I enjoyed it from start to finish. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like I mean, you would think. Yeah. Um, although, although, although it's it's a funny one with two out of three falls matches because like obviously I I I really I, I mean I love lucha especially all all the lucha. Um, so a lot of my favourite matches of all time are, are two out of three falls. But um, it's a world of sport as well to be fair yeah, as well. Yeah, you know I mean and it's just a bit um. Yeah, yeah, it's an odd one because quite often it's almost as if the, the the tenor of the of the whole thing is geared around the fact that like you know um, that there will be that that kind of big uh, rush towards um, y- y- your climax, um, your sort of your, your really gripping kind of climax in the third fall, and it can go one of two ways. You can I think when you watch it, you can either think. Um, Oh wow! Well, this is just almost. This is kind of part of the uh, the, the process that that, that that it builds until the third one, and then it, it really goes off. Or you can kind of um, 
you, you, you can kind of watch it and be a little bit disappointed by that and feel like the the, the, the early parts are kind of perfunctory and just there for no, just to pad things out, um, you know? And different workers approach it in different ways, I think. Um, and I, I think two out of three falls matches, more than a lot of other kinds of matches, can often be very much in the eye of the beholder, um, uh, I think sometimes in a weird way. Um, so yeah, they're, they're a funny one to, to gauge um, kind of, I guess, um, uh, uh, widespread appeal on, I think. Sometimes. Yeah. I think um, Zack Sabre Jr. and uh, Jonathan Gresham had a good one. It was quite clever. And that they I've not seen the... that, but it's, I, I could have a wank just just the <laughs> idea of it, to be honest. Uh, uh, the, the, the idea behind it is that they have a double pinfall in the first fall, and then they just go right straight, third fall, here we go, one each, uh, and they just go and they just, it's just a two-fall match, even though like, it, it ends 2-1. But yeah, but it was really well they done. Did that at, uh, they did that same thing, actually this was Sabre again, at uh, Progress's first uh, Brixton 02 show, um, which was Sabre versus Champa. And they did that They did that exact same. I thought that match kind of underwhelmed, which again is sort of due with this thing being the eye of the beholder. One I'd like to make a case for two out of three forward match quite recently, uh, Daniel Bryan versus Sheamus from uh, 2012. From like... Oh, oh Extreme yeah, Rules. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a really good match. Yeah, the, the run was kind of an apology for the 18 seconds match. It's like, okay, we didn't give you yeah. a match at WrestleMania, so here's three. And I liked that yeah. because they did the thing that you see in a lot of Iron Man matches where, like, the heel cost himself the first fall intentionally by getting himself DQ'd mm. by, like, wanging the guy with a chair. But then he gets the second fall easily because of that, and it we- it weakens mm. the face for the yeah, third yeah. fall. But they also added to that at the start of the third fall, Brian's, like, moving in, and Sheamus just hits the bro kick from out of nowhere, and you think that's going to be it. And that was, like, like mm. one of the best false finishes I think I can yeah. remember seeing. Like that's a I, that's a trip. They had really good in ring chemistry as well. Those two. So like yeah, um, that's that's yeah. that's one of the best matches of that year. That it's a fantastic. Yeah, match. I mean it was by no means a vintage year, but uh, yes, yes, I. Uh, no, God, God no. That was the well, year well, of that. That card yeah. That card though was probably one of my favorite WWE shows of all time. Cause that was almost seen. It was. It was. Yeah. Yep. Yep. They they, they 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 were both in my top five matches that year. Both of those yeah. matches on that card. Really good. Um, so basically, um, this match I think does the same sort of thing in telling a story across the falls and not just having it be okay. Here's one fall and then here's another fall and here's another fall. So um, yeah. So uh, Jumbo Suruta comes out to the world's greatest uh, entrance theme. I will not brook any disagreement uh, on this. Um, Kerry Von Erich comes out to uh, Eye of the Tiger by Survivor, the house yeah. the house band of the Rocky franchise. Um, um, <laughs> yes, and also the song I heard every day of my life because my upstairs neighbour before he died used to play it every morning. So he used to wake up every morning to fucking. Oh no, time. that is. He used to he used to play the Rocky soundtrack every day, but always kept living in America, and it just. Oh, really for fuck's sake! Day. That's it's the that's best WCW one. star James Brown. Show some respect. <laughs> yeah, um, I I did love in this the fact the entrances that they they kind of I think I don't know that this wasn't free GPW classics was it it wasn't one of the you know the, the, the Ultra Band classics show that they had you know oh, you um, I think it might have been actually was it one of those? I think so yeah yeah, yeah. They put the date on the starts yeah yeah because I love the yeah. I love the the split screen it's so unnecessary so I know. <laughs> I know it reminds me of like um do you know uh, if you ever if you ever bought a PWG DVD? Um oh no uh, no because like there was like three hours <laughs> it was like three years behind the uh, the actual show taking place. The, the the last thing I want is the PWG guys coming around to my house uh, Stephen <laughs> Flutter style. And, uh, <laughs> so um, I'm I'm gonna plead the fifth on that one. I don't want uh, Scarlet turning up with Chris Masters. <laughs> 
<laughs> they, um, they, um, like on the PWG, because obviously, like, they can't uh, use any of the theme tunes whatsoever. They always have the start, the, the, the start is like this, is a split screen, and they have, like, just stock music over it. And it reminded me of that, but better. Yeah, yeah, I, I quite liked it. The, uh, the other, the sort of slightly uh, sobering thing, uh, just before the match starts, is that, uh, Kerry Von Eric is wearing a rope that says, In memory of David on the back. And I looked it up, and David yeah. Von Eric had passed away, like, earlier that year. He had, yeah, from complications with stomach. Uh, yeah, yeah, weird. And he, he, he died in Japan, actually. Did I? Okay, so yeah. wow. Okay, on, so it was his one. I don't know. I don't think it was his first tour, but it was. It was on. He actually got the, the. They say, um, uh, you know, surrounded in mystery that, but um, uh, some people say he took um dodgy medication. He had a. An, it's very strange that one. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So um, uh, I so the, basically the story of the first fall is um. It's it's kind of what I like about this match is it that it ramps up as it goes along because like basically the first fall is like quite sportsmanlike and the way that sort of befits a significant match for a prestigious world title you know you've got like nice wrist locks and drop kicks uh, amateur style stuff to start you've got the um rope running and the drop downs which are like not the smoothest because these are pretty big guys <laughs> but um and th- and then you have the classic sort of uh, face move where like Jumbo gets the fireman's carry and then just places uh, Kerry on the top rope. That's a lovely spot. I love that. Yeah, I I like that a lot. It's basically like rubbing your own proficiency in your opponent's face. It's like, okay, I could... It's basically the 80s equivalent of The Undertaker uh, letting their opponent up at two. It it is. But it's also also got a real nice... Oh no, boy, we ain't done yet. (laughs) You'll have to kill me. Oh, I will. Um, but like um, no like it's it's beautiful that spot and it's worth saying at, at this point as well I think that like um, you know when we're talking about like um, uh, Jumbo who at the time is like obviously you know is fighting against the um, the kind of golden boy of um, of, of American uh, of American kind of um, uh, territorial wrestling um, is obviously got huge crowd support uh, and he's also up against you know what for many many people could you could you could make a case actually that in many ways um, in terms of territories. Kerry Von Erich is one of the quintessential 1980s American white meat baby faces. Um, you know. Oh yeah, no question. The territory oh, um, yeah. that he's coming out of that Dallas territory is was notoriously uh, face um, oriented. You know, like to the point that um, you yeah, it was all it was almost predictable um, that you know that the, the, the faces would would um, uh, would 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 get certain victories at certain times, and it was it was kind of notorious for that. You know, so he really is coming off, you know, a great run there. I had a theory that Ke- like Kerry Van Erik um, in this match is ridiculously handsome. <laughs> He's a ridiculously handsome man to the point of parody. Yeah, yeah in whereby, a sort of equine sort of way. But yes, I guess yeah, what you mean. Like, if you if you made a caricature of a white meat baby face, yeah. you would literally just he, have he, lo- this he looks like a Masters it. of the Universe figure. Uh, childhoods. Like yeah, yeah figure, he really he? does. Genuinely. Yeah, uh, you know, um, yeah. Doesn't it doesn't help him in this match because the crowd is exclusively yeah. behind Jumbo and they're like fully on. But, but that there, helps, there. I think, yeah. later on in the match when when things take a, a, a turn for uh, in narrative wise. I think that helps, you know, and I think that's deliberate as well, actually. Um, yeah, absolutely. Like the other thing I like in the uh, in the first ball is I uh, I'm a sucker for uh, big struggles oh. to execute moves. Um, yeah, because I, I remember there was a um, sort of 
quite stupid debate on Twitter quite recently. Like someone was uh, giving Jinder Mahal pelters for like doing a headlock uh, in a match with Ricochet, and I was like, yeah, but if you're a heel, like surely that's what you should do. Like you're trying to ground the babyface, and then some people are arguing that like the thing is like there's a way to work a headlock so it is interesting. Like in WWE matches, very often they're very obviously waiting. There's no Randy sense Orton, of struggle. Kevin Owens. A headlock can be what, what, yeah. <laughs> I mean, Owens, Owens does the jaw jacking as well, which is sort of the... So he's sort of, in, intent, I guess, subverting yeah. it in a sense. But there is a way to do a headlock, so it's uh, interesting. Witness that old uh, PWG match between uh, uh, Daniel Bryan and Cesaro, where they work a headlock for 13 minutes, and it's really, really good. Like, there's, so... a, there's a Dean Malenko, ah. uh, yes, Norman yeah, Smiley yeah. match from WCW that, that does that's along the same lines. And to be fair, there's a whole bunch... I feel that, like, because we, we, we rag on about this quite a lot, we should do an episode on Muga, you know, the Fujinami. Oh, Fujinami's one, yes, please. Yeah, yeah, because that that whole Muga style, because it's a good kind of the blog, they're huge on Muga, they, they always put it over, and it's, it's basically stuff like this about making headlocks interesting and using headlocks and the yeah. struggle of getting out of one and stuff like that. So, yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah, it, it, There's I've... an art to it. As one of the biggest ever fans of, uh, uh, well, not biggest ever fans, but certainly biggest fans uh, I know of 70s style technical wrestling, I think that would be uh, uh, very nice. So, so the big struggling question that uh, I was really impressed by was the uh, the one where Jumbo, after you know, a few strikes, he looks for the uh, the yeah. and the crowd goes and, off, and when it, they it think kind it's of about to happen. They they really do, and like it's you think it's going to be one of those because it's yeah. it was one of Jumbo's big moves that was. And uh, it's one of those where you kind of think, okay, he's going for it, and then uh, Kerry's going to block it. But then, like later in the match, he'll get to hit it, and he he looked for this butterfly suplex for fucking ages, and then he actually did like hit it, and it really sold like the fact that you know Kerry Von Erich is like he's a big guy, you're going to need to show a lot of strength to overcome him, and like mm-hmm. I thought that was uh, I thought that was uh, really good. Just a sense of, and we've mentioned this, but just a sense of. Um to and fro in terms of people get, uh, being in holds and getting out of holds. Because if you were put in a bit of butterfly suplex or a headlock or something like that, you would try and wriggle out of it just like a normal human being. Do you know what I mean? Like Yeah, like no no one goes up would go up for that light because it's such an unnatural yeah. position to be in if you're uh, if you're taking that move. It's just just adding a little extra bit of realism to it is something that I uh, that I think uh, works works really well. Um and then after this uh, Jumbo gets a little bit of a uh, little bit mm. of uh, momentum, and then we get not the full-on um, uh, Von Eric claw, the but the stomach, stomach claw. claw. Yeah, 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 yeah. Ooh, I'm gonna, oh, yeah. I'm gonna tickle you good. <laughs> I had a question about this. I had a question about this. I'll just read it here. Claw to the abdomen. Ridiculous or good strategy? Discuss yeah. eight marks. <laughs> uh, mm, uh, kayfabe or non-kayfabe? Uh, let's let's go let's right, go right, non right 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 okay so um, non non kayfabe uh, I, I, in terms of narrative I actually think good strategy because of what uh, conspires later in the match in terms of Kerry uh, hitting the claw and then trying to hit it again for the win uh, it's a um, it's it's you know it's it's setting it's setting up an awareness that it's not just something that can, it, it, it's giving extra emphasis to the fact that this is a move that he, he can hit on any part of the body even though it's a move which is specifically designed to be hit somewhere else so <laughs> you know like uh, yeah. in the own really twisted internal logic of wrestling that kind of does work <laughs> 
Yeah, I am. Um, I but like at this point, there's still not a huge amount of aggro uh, going on. It's all fairly fairly sportsmanlike. Um, there's a sort of a sign of things to come when there's a little bit of sho- shoving and uh, Kerry ends up on yeah. his ass and does a, the sort of like scrappy do. Let me Adam pose yeah. <laughs> like the Mrs. Dad at WrestleMania, basically. Oh, love it, love it, absolutely love it. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that that is exactly. I'd love to transliterate that sometime. Uh, but uh, there's a uh, there's a really nice high knee from Jumbo, which nearly yeah. sends uh, Kerry uh, out of the ring, a la uh, Jim yeah. Neidhart at WrestleMania two. And um, and then the second one actually does, and Kerry basically ends up like basically drowning in a load. Of, you know those uh, double hell bar wire matches from like the nineties, where like yeah. there was just a load of it yeah. outside the ring. Yeah. It was that, but stream- yeah. it, that but streamers. Yeah, it's like when Matt Mayu it was how he used to stream a thing. She used to spin yeah. around and just catch the ball, and he looks like he's. Oh, oh, she still she, she still, still does that. that. Like, um, yeah, she's the the best one was when she like got dragon suplex mid spin and still like mummified right. in a load of streamers. Well, you see, I don't. I I have to check because obviously you know Kofi Kingston's the WWE champion now, so uh, you know like fucking anything could happen. Daniel like, you know. Mayu Ratani is a triple crown champion. <laughs> now, so. Fucking hell! Is that is is the gambler the BJW strong uh, champion? No, I no, I lost it last week. It's <laughs> Fantasio now. <laughs> um, then uh, the the end of the fall comes when uh, Kevin Von Erich shows a great deal of agility for a, a big lad, uh, Peter Crouch style, uh, slingshotting into the ring from the apron with a sunset flip for two, and then uh, it upsets me that Peter Crouch has taken Nile Quinn's. Uh, no, I know it's a. Uh, Stolen Valor, that's what it is. And and, uh, Jumbo hits Lenzigiri and then his uh, lovely uh, bridging backdrop, uh, the kind that Eugene Nagata uses now for three. Uh, So that's the first four. Some people shoot their bolt with the streamers early, which is is quite funny, but... uh... Yeah. Oh, speaking of, I forgot, I forgot, I haven't made a note as to which point of the match it is, but uh, there's a point when um, Jumbo does the, um, does the, uh, the, the, the All Japan Women's um, uh, thingy, the uh, reco- pin, pin recovery. Oh, he, the Joshi Bridge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Joshi Bridge, yeah. And that's, that's, again, he's like, he's a big guy to be doing that. Like, he's, he's called, he's, a he's big called dude, Jumbo he's for a reason, you know. <laughs> he's fucking massive. Like, he's... I mean, I would, I would say, um, you know, going one 0 up, one 0 is a dangerous lead to have. <laughs> oh, tell Brighton and Hove I'll be in there. Oh, all right, all right. Hey, my, my, my lot are going up via the playoffs. Just you watch. Oh God, um, um, my lot are just, just uh, well, carry on. I was going to say we've had enough <laughs> lamenting over Partick Thistle for one episode. You can wait till episode twenty for some more. Uh, so, uh, fall two begins with. Uh, some clubbing blows from Jumbo and some punches. Uh, Kerry Von Eric is now blooded up um, somehow. It's one of those where you didn't quite see what uh, caused it. Presumably the high knees uh, in kayfabe. And he's uh, doing some silly walks. And what I think is like, it's the mark of a great baby face uh, that Jumbo is. That you can make a man bleed copiously and the crowd still wants to see you fuck him up even more. Yeah. yeah, I know. I thought that it's like, yeah, but it really does add like um, because it's it's the kind of um, it's the kind of blood which really does look kind of quite natural. Yeah, yeah. In this yeah. match, like it, it it doesn't look engineered. It doesn't look um, you know, uh, like it's been uh, sort of predetermined or anything. Which I think really adds to. I mean, I'm a big fan of a bit of the old yeah, yeah, in, yeah, uh, in matches a... anyway. You know, so um, I, it really makes the last uh, few. There's uh, a really of the match as well. grotesque visual when um, Saruta puts some in a. Oh god! Oh, it's, it's horrible. Passion of blood on yeah, his arm. Yeah, it looks vile. It's a great visual. 
But I mean, like, yeah, it's interesting to see, like, you know, sort of doing the, um, doing like the chin locks and stuff like that. He's trying to kill the game off as he knows that one more fall will secure him his football league status. <laughs> Keep it in the corner. He's played five at the back. <laughs> They'll be up for re-election next year. <laughs> right. What I like about the second, I think the 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 word I would use to characterise the second fall is slugfest. Like you, yes. you very oh, much yeah. like you very obviously from the very start of the fall, you've shifted in to this extra sort of this extra stage, and it has been like set up for by the fact that Kevin Eric is very groggy after the backdrop from the first fall. He's sort of disoriented, and that sets the template from a very much sort of wobble legged swinging away style of uh, of wrestling. And I, I thought that was done um, really well. And yeah, like you say, Jumbo's trying to grind him down like um he's uh i mean actually the first the first thing one of the first things uh Kevin eric does in the fall is just a big punch and then like a, yeah. a body yeah. salmon and, and <laughs> a knee drop like it? any sort of subtlety or amateur pretensions of absolutely fucking gone at this point like it's uh you, you're talking a, like whack yeah sorry go on there's a great great drop kick from Katie, uh, and this oh it's up. it's brilliant and then chumble replies for just slapping him straight in the chops it's <laughs> I wonderful so much. it's so good yeah, it was like it was one of the like a big slap, and then he just punched the fuck out of him in the corner. <laughs> it's one of those where the re- you know the ref tries to interpose themselves between the wrestlers, which is something I always love to see. Oh, and yeah, the, the, fan. the fans are going mad, shouting, "Play the advantage! Play the advantage!" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, they, they are absolutely loving when they pull away because he's on an absolute tear. Like he's 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 um he's got the momentum behind him, and the, the ref and he's fucking stopping him. So quite rightly. Um, that was some. That I'm, was something uh, Ricky Dozan always used to do really well. Actually, like the idea that like the heat was on the ref for sort of um, not letting their hero sort of beat the tar out of his opponent in like his god-given way. I, I wanted also to mention yeah. um, the crowd in this because I I really love this venue. Um, do you, do you know what venue it was? Was it an outdoor show? Like yeah, yeah, yeah. It so looked like an outdoor show. Yeah, it's a it's a place I never heard of. But it was in the Denen Coliseum, which I believe was in Tokyo. Um, oh. it's, a t- it's a tennis stadium. I think it didn't. Um, oh. yeah, I'm sure there was another one. It's a tennis stadium. Was uh, I can't remember where. But yeah, Denon's an outdoor tennis stadium. It's like a, it's like a good like ten, eleven thousand capacity. They hold, they hold the, they still hold like, the Tokyo uh, Open there uh, in, in world oh. tennis. Someone through Wikipedia. Thing. <laughs> I've never actually heard of a because like the mid-level sized um, sports arenas that you sort of what culture pro wrestlings and uh, yeah. and uh, wrestling channel international showdowns would run in this country where you're not big enough to run a a, a big like music arena. Would I was going to say, please don't disperse yeah. the good name of the yeah. African ice rink. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we mentioned that. That's probably the most mentioned arena on this podcast. Second only to the Fife Ice oh. Arena. <laughs> oh my god like yeah um it's uh yeah i really i really like the venue. I'm, I'm a big sucker for outdoor shows as well yeah i, I love peculiar venues like this and uh stuff like that yeah it just adds so much to it and, and the crowd it, it like the the acoustics well, are yeah, so it, the, so the sound really doesn't good. like dissipate out into you know uh, some sort of bigger stadium shows that you get where you just yeah, but uh, like WrestleMania, yeah, you get that a lot. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's like there might be a nuclear pop for uh, like uh, the the big baby face coming out, but you never fucking hear it. 
Never yeah. fucking hear it. Yeah, it's supposed to be a biggish show, and no one at home can feel the atmosphere. Yeah, what? there was genuinely a debate about like the main event of WrestleMania this uh, this year about like was the reaction not that much because the crowd were burned out or did it just get swallowed by the big massive fuck off NFL stadium that they were in? Yeah. You know, like yeah, I think I think yeah. tennis arena actually. I'd like let's get like uh, get get some like um, evening entertainment on at the uh, the Surbiton Classic uh, next uh, next uh, summer. Uh, see, see, get get and Andy Crowden would do it. Andy Quilden at the Queen's Club. Uh, <laughs> and Andy Quilden are making an appearance down the local working men's club doing a turn if I fucking offered him fucking five pound. Uh, <laughs> to be fair, I think I think Queen's Club would imply that Ref Pro would ever book any women. So like, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So get get the get the zaz in there. Um, yeah. So uh, yeah, the second the second fourth is like quite some very big hits like coming up towards the end. Like you've got to, you've got the spot I absolutely love when they both hit shoulder blocks on each yeah. other and then fall over. Yeah. Yeah. And a lovely pile driver by uh, by uh, Jumbo for yeah. two. And, and it's, it, it's one like, of those old-fashioned uh, pile drivers advertised to a little bit because I think if you haven't watched a little wrestling, it's that the kind of pile driver where they just kind of fall back. Uh, it, it's quite a safe, as far as, in, as, in as much as pile drivers can ever be safe way of doing it, but it was very much the standard of the time. Like Terry Funk's um, uh, pile driver yeah. was, what was very much uh, akin to that. In the same way that like you have to get used to Akira Tawe's choke slams whenever you watch any of his matches because yeah, like because yeah. they don't get any ever. It's like well, if a choke slam was real, that is probably how it would go. <laughs> like so, a big wind up punch from uh, Kerry, which I absolutely love. That is classic old school. It makes it harder if you spin it around a bit. Yeah, yeah no, no, exactly. Like if you do a uh, just like red cars go faster it's just true like if you do a discus lariat it's actually harder than if you just stand there and swing your arm like it's science yeah Um, it's 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 the 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 gyroscopic motion it tightens it up and makes it harder yeah um, yeah you're basically professor brian Uh, except except not a massive melt no no not a weird malthusian (laughs) (laughs) i think i think being a weird malthusian oddball is actually on the job description to be a bbc science presenter in fairness i was gonna say basically it's essential Um, isn't it and then uh and then to end the fall finally the claw comes out and uh there's a really good there's a really good spot where um uh jumbo Get, he gets in the claw and there's a two count and then Jumbo sort of he does a kind of Joshi Bridge type thing again and like somehow raises himself back to standing and then Kerry sort of I guess yeah. squeezes his fingers a bit harder and forces him down and then gets the three and then keeps the claw on after the bell for a bit and the crowd yeah. are absolutely livid yeah yeah it's brilliant because I, I what we should mention as well uh, is that like there's there's been some stuff like before this as well where like um you know Jumbo has been trying to sort of stamp on the hand and stuff and he's been trying to kind of like you know um disable that uh, that that weapon in the arsenal yeah. as well um and that's um and so when he actually finally gets it on you do really get the feeling that like he's putting it you know it's a yeah. silly move let's be honest but you really get the feeling he's putting everything into it like you know to to get the win I was going to say I love um the Jumbo mid between the th- between the falls getting the Mr Burns brain massage to, <laughs> and it was really like to yeah. see to um they were going like they were like um massaging his face and his head and the brain and they were like they were trying to put the cheekbones back into place and that's incredible like the, if if I, if I want you to do the backdrop I will touch the NWA international heavyweight title not once not twice but thice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> he gets given the magic sake as well. Um, 
uh, in between falls to sort of get a bit of uh, life back into him. And um, about Pip, it's, it's it's great. And then like the um, that that's something I also really like about two out of three falls matches or like old world of sport matches where they have rounds. The idea of like people coming in with a towel, getting the guy ready, like yeah. in the, like in the big boxing uh, title fight. Yes, like that's bucket, really cut yeah. man. And then, um, well, you know, Kerry's the cut man in this uh, in this match. Oh, really. yes, indeed. And uh, then, like, so you said he worked the hand a little bit. Like, now he really starts to work the hand because, and this is, again, what I love is, like, the story carrying between falls is, uh, like, he's working the hand in direct response to how he lost the second fall. In the same way that if... Um, a football team has conceded a goal to a particular kind of set-piece routine, then yep. the manager will presumably put a strategy in place to stop it happening a yep. second time. And I think that's really yep, good. Exactly. It puts them over as tacticians as well as athletes. Except if you're Queen of the South. <laughs> yeah, in which case they won't. <laughs> They've consistently lost goals from crosses all season. <laughs> Carry on. There's something very noble about it, uh, like someone like, uh, you know, continually failing at something <laughs> and just and just refusing to change i mean look at look at tna uh, but so, so um i mean we've all been there at some point in our life. oh yeah yeah no, that, that is true like i i'm i'm casting no stone from my very drafty glass house <laughs> um, so um this and again what i love about the third fall is that kerry immediately goes for the claw again yeah I, yeah and he can't get it on at the start yeah it's like He's he's throwing everything against the wall at that point, isn't he? Yeah, it's it's, uh, it, it's, it's it, yeah, it's it's great because it's it's a it's a symbol as well. I think that to the the Japanese fans that you know like um uh and and the, the, and this is what you know this is classic NWA style um you know um uh, sort of a narrative, isn't it? Is that you have the traveling champion that goes into a territory and they they manage to win, but they win by the skin of their teeth. But both men leave looking better somehow. Yeah, like, absolutely. Uh, you know, that is... I mean, I mean, I mean, Flair was the master of this. Flair was the absolute master of this. You know, Flair could go into territories and make the most average worker you'd possibly have there who happened to be their top guy look like a million fucking bucks because you know what you were that far away yeah. you were that far away from beating Ric Flair yeah. you know? and that basically makes you the best right yeah you know? absolutely uh, like it's really good I love how um, when Jumbo he rolls to the outside to avoid the claw in a way that it, it's very well planned because like this wouldn't normally be like face behaviour um, but because he's just lost a fall to that very move, you can understand it, and it doesn't make him seem cowardly, but rather it makes it makes him seem it makes him seem smart. Um, and uh, then the real fun begins because uh, Kerry goes for his corner charge, and uh, Jumbo gets a knee up, which is uh, sold brilliantly by uh, Kerry, I might add. And then Jumbo starts bashing his hand into pretty much anything he can find, like the corner pads. He traps it under one foot and then stamps on it with the other several times. He rubs it along the rope. I was like, oh yeah, I'm going to break your bones, but I'm also going to give you some friction burn. How you like that, you bastards? <laughs> like, you know, although to be honest, like, you know, um, they're. they're, they're... If I had to weigh it up, you know, I've had both friction burns and broken bones, and they are neither 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 of them are pleasant. Uh, I'm sure you have, <laughs> depending Daniel. On, depending depending on where you get a friction burn, people, like I'm just saying, like sometimes a broken bone is more preferable. Uh, <laughs> and uh, and then uh, Kerry tries to fight back, and then Jumbo takes him over, and he hits the hand against that the metal bit between the pad and the post, and then like drags him to the outside and hits it against the post itself. So you got basically this escalation. He's uh, using all the different parts of the ring and it's continually getting more painful um and then you just get like a great load of near falls really uh like after that you get like the vertical suplex into the ring by jumbo like which is really great but what what is uh basically the uh 
Nagata Lock 4, really. Sort of step over arm breaker, uh, arm bar, like back drops, elbow drops, another pile driver. Uh, Kerry Von Erich with the sort of, you know, that top rope elbow drop, the kind that Aja Kong and Temryu do, where it's kind of, yeah. they're not quite leaping, they're kind of just falling backwards, but like it still looks pretty great. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and like some really good pins, like there's a frog press for two, sunset flip for two, and uh, you know, there's basically just doing the whole sort of seesaw thing that you. It's the kind of thing you often get in the early stages of matches, but here it really basically just looks like sort of desperation stuff. Yeah, it, it definitely it looks like both of them know that the, the time is not long on this match. They need to yeah. get the win now, and if they don't, they'll lose. So, but it's kind of interesting dynamic where both of them are kind of like that, where they're both just attacking, I and mean, it's very offensive as opposed to trying to, you know, they're not really bothered about what the other person is doing, it's what they're doing to them because they want to win it, and it's just, you know, you know, firing shots and seeing who goes down first, yeah. I think this is the true um, thing that really brings home the quote-unquote uh, fighting spirits to me, not sort of getting dropped on your head and then no selling it and springing up and doing a lariat and then selling it you know this is the this does far more to put over yeah. the idea of uh, indomitable will and struggle than like any any Absolutely. stuff of that sort yeah that's ex- that's what i was exactly what i was going to say actually yeah i mean it's um it's 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 one of those matches where i think it really to actually be you know anyone can put a, you know not anyone it's obviously but a lot of people can put a wrestling match together where you have a kind of seesaw kind of um, back and forth kind of thing and then eventually someone wins but there's so much more going on than that here there's so much struggle we're going back to the original thing in the first four where we're, we're looking at struggles you know there's just so much um, a tangible element of just like physical and mental and psychological struggle here about who's going to come out on top it remind, it reminds me of kind of a great boxing match you know um, like it, it reminded me a little bit of like obviously it's a very different thing but like uh, um, uh, Golovkin versus Canelo you know from not long ah, ago yeah, yeah, yeah. where you're just you're on the edge of your seat because you just you want to see who's got the edge it's about the one bit it's a very Al Pacino voice wife's a game of inches like you know like that's, that from, that's, that's what is it that is that from Jack you know? and Jill <laughs> <laughs> it's from sensible. Like, yeah. I, I mean, I mean, Daniel, you say that like one of them comes back and wins, but uh, remember, we are in all Japan. It is the eighties, so what we get instead of, of course. that is well, we'll get to that. We'll get the, to that. The the all yeah. Japan special is when they go to the outside and both try to get back into the ring. And the, I kind of did like this actually. It was um, Kerry Kerry puts on the claw hold and Jumbo knows he can't get out of it, so he hits a desperation backdrop. Uh, but the ten count expires just before he rolls back in the ring. And then they do the thing where Jumbo raises his arm in victory, and the ref puts it down again. And then Jumbo looks affronted, which is uh, something classic you want to, you, you always like to see. More streamers get thrown in, and why not? <laughs> and you get the uh, the classic sort of um, double count out uh, finish, which uh, plagued all of the uh, the All Japan tournaments in that sort of uh, in that sort of era because various people wouldn't job. But I, I get it in this sense because uh, Jumbo's not winning the belt. Uh, but he needs to look strong in front of the home fans, so absolutely fine with this finish in the proper context. Um, uh, major heat for Kerry Von Erich lifting the title at the end, and uh, Jumbo refuses an interview request on his way out, but uh, don't worry, he sent Carlos Quiroz in his, in his place. <laughs> he's, he's like, you're a long way from Fergie now. <laughs> Oh, oh man! Crisis so, of Man United. Crisis of Man. <laughs> because there genuinely is now. Ollie's at the wheel. Ollie's at the wheel. Unfortunately, he's pissed as fuck and won't pass the breathalyzer test. <laughs> oh my god! Like um. Oh, he's just he's driving to. Ollie's at the wheel, but unfortunately, he's driving to Dundee in his bed. <laughs> 
Ollie Gunnar Solskjaer. In it. He looks a lot like uh, Andy Serkis as well. Like, um, uh, I, I was, I was telling this to like Sarah, Sarah's got no, Sarah's got no interest in football at all. But like, there were two managers she knows, and one of them is uh, Sean Dyche, who she doesn't know his name, but she knows he's the he's the Burnley manager because like I've always got match of the day on, and she always recognises him as the Burnley manager. And the other one's only good as Solskjaer because I keep pointing out that he looks like, uh, or specifically Andy Serkis in Lord of the Rings as Smeagol before he turns into Gollum. And uh, she was like, does he ever describe? <laughs> Does he ever describe trophies as my precious? And I was like, the, the thing is, like, that's a bit too ambitious. He, he'd be more like, yeah. the three points away at Bournemouth, we want it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, dear. Sorry, forgive me. It's just, uh, yeah. I mean, Schadenfreude, Schadenfreude shouldn't last this long. <laughs> but, um, hey, they've got, right, they've got the uh, Fight Club Pro uh, uh, tactiles now. Like, uh... um... <laughs> they, they, they haven't. I don't know why I said that. Ah, uh, oh, fuck it. I don't pay any attention. To, I don't pay any attention to uh, Brutus anyway. At the There's moment. no one listening anyway. Who gives a shit? <laughs> Ollie Gunnar Solskjaer, or as he's known now, Ollie Jackson Riker Solskjaer. <laughs> You've broken me. Uh, well, it, that's a, it's a good job because that's pretty much the end of the match. So uh, that was um, that was Jumbo Saruta versus Kerry Von Eric. Um, final thoughts yeah. on the match. I think we can all agree, like a uh, bit good, wasn't it? Uh, it's not bad. It's not bad. <laughs> it's not bad. Um, it's one of my favourite matches of the eighties. Um, it's one of my favourite matches of either men's career. Um, I think it's absolutely superb, and I think. It, um, it actually manages to be all of those things. I know I always go on about this, but there really is a gorgeous simplicity to it. Yeah. You know, um, it's the it's the Brian Cliff quote again. You know, about football being a you know a simple game ruined by idiots. Like um, yeah. you know, wrestling at its most simplest um, can actually just tell some of the most beautiful arresting stories that you'll ever see, and they're not complicated. They're not difficult to get your head around. They're universal. If you just give someone a little bit of background about either guy, they can watch it and understand it. Um, it's um, it's brilliant. It's it's fantastic. Just watch it's it. It's kind of if you're not seen it. It's kind of like I went to a. Um, there was a time when uh, Emi Sakura was over for Pro Wrestling Eve, and she did a seminar the next day, and they did a free show with some of the trainees who'd been at it, and they were all, like quite early in their careers, and they put on a little little free show, and there's only about two dozen people in the crowd, and they just did these like very like stripped back very simple matches which all told like nice logical stories that you could get into and it was just like the fundamentals done well and honestly like like wrestling it shouldn't be rocket science and sometimes if you just tell a coherent story and you know, that's 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 often all you need honestly and i mean this was like certainly a coherent and simple story but with like very high-end work as well like i don't think any i don't think most people would have Kerry von eric down as like a stellar in-ring uh, uh technician uh but like this was like this was some really really good stuff he certainly bought the fight and he certainly looked like he looked like he was on uh, jumbo's level and jumbo saruta is as far as i'm concerned one of the greatest of all time yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think you know. I think I think Kerry's actually. Um, I think actually from watching footage um, from um, from from the territory back in the day, I do actually think that um, it's a shame that um, Kerry gets the WWF at the time that he does with obviously with uh, yeah, um, the, um, the Texas and, tornado. And, and, and the, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, and and the the huge amount of personal problems that he had because um, I actually think that it's it's not even close. I think Kerry was by far the best of the of the brothers. Yeah, I, um, I think like Kerry Von Eric in this kind of shape in the WWF yeah. would probably. Oh, 
might have been at least like intercontinental champion. Well, he did win the intercontinental title, but you know, it had a meaningful. Uh, yeah, but 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 would have had a good a good well remembered run with it yeah. instead. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah, certainly yeah, have been yeah, like up yeah. a mid carder for like a number of years. Yeah. Sadly, things didn't turn out that way, but still still had a very good career. Um, in his territory, and if you watch any of those uh, Von Erichs versus Freebirds matches, the, oh, if you got yeah. the WWE Network, there's some on there like well worth a watch because like even if the actual yeah. in ring isn't amazing, like the atmosphere is fucking brilliant and the heat the Freebirds get is something to behold. So like yeah, would oh, would recommend yeah. for sure. But but does it have Kevin Nash in commentary calling everything the old glory? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's all I watch on the WWE Network. <laughs> just that of thunder. Every every month, ten pounds just to watch that. Not even watch WrestleMania. Don't know what happened. Watch Thunder instead. To, to, to be fair, if you're watching Thunder, you you will literally get people that were in their prime in Dallas in '82 turning up on it. So, like, you know, <laughs> That's true. Randomly, weirdly, like you I know. think we know what you what what you do with your account. It's, it's kind of like uh, me and our our, our our good friend at Oyster's Earrings. Like uh, I, I I usually use his Stardom World account, but like with the new interface now, it doesn't widen the videos back to the beginning. So like you can see, we can see if either of us have watched a video. I just keep you honest so that like you're not like tempted somehow to look at the like Momo Watanabe photo book shoots. <laughs> It's like it's like when you and your partner share a Duolingo account, you know. It's just, it's, <laughs> it keeps you honest. It keeps you honest. You know. Yes, I have learned the adverbs. Have, have you have you been doing Esperanto without me? Yeah. <laughs> well, obviously, I've been doing Gaelic because Barbara. Yeah. Like, well, but, obviously. Uh, you know, like, yeah. Have you been doing Esperanto? Name me Amakina. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Oh, yes, I'm a I'm a Eurocentric uh, language uh, uh, asshole now. So uh, yes, uh. one and M. Actually, actually, really weird history of anarchists um, uh, um, um, learning and um, espousing the use of Esperanto. But that's for another podcast. <laughs> I, I I like it because it, I I would recommend learning Esperanto because although no one speaks it, it is a piece of piss and will make you feel good. Yeah. <laughs> uh. Well, look oh, forward excellent. to the next episode of the Pure and Free podcast, conducted entirely in Esperanto. In Esperanto. I mean, yeah. I, I... yeah, the only other person I know that spoke a lot of Esperanto, other than some anarchists I met in Switzerland, was Arnold Rimmer in Red Wolf. <laughs> so I'm in esteemed right. company. So, yes, um, that was uh, episode uh, 19. Thank you very much for uh, listening. A little bit shorter now, but we have uh, two episodes coming up for you episodes 20 and 21. We'll also focus on a notable match from uh, the history of professional wrestling in Japan. Uh, before we go, I'd just like to tell you to check out ProWrestlingOnly.com to explore other podcasts along with match reviews, features and retrospectives, reviews of wrestling books, video games and matches, playlists, wrestler appearances in non-wrestling TV shows and movies, and more. You can also join the conversation by signing up at the PWO forums. We've been online for over a decade, and with over 2,000 registered members and an archive of over 4 million threads, our message board is a vibrant community all its own. Whether you want to talk about a specific match in our match discussion archive, take a deep dive in the microscope forum, or discuss more general topics from wrestling's past and present. Check out all of this and more at www.prowrestlingonly.com. And um, as far as other stuff I'd like to plug, obviously we have the uh, Twitter account, at Pura Podcast, SoundCloud, the Pura Pura Podcast, Facebook, the Pura Pura Podcast, you know, you know the fucking drill by now. Um, in terms of uh, other wares that we would uh, like to uh, invite people to sample, Wade Barrett style, um, we have, uh, I maintain the doublefoot.dompiesilly.com, where you can find lots of very fun wrestling and also, for some reason, Robot Wars content. The vast and uh, all-encompassing novel, The Rise and Fall of Rick Ozan, is might actually, might be out by the time this uh, episode is aired, if not, it 
will be very close to it. Currently, I'm on the final, final, final proofread of it. I'm currently about um, two-thirds to three-quarters of the way through it. Uh, there's only, like, 130, 140 pages left to go. I'm getting into the real, like, sort of the real dark shit. So it's, uh, but actually, it's, um, the stuff I wrote more recently is taking less proofreading because, hey, it turns out I'm better at writing fiction than I was four years ago when I started it. Who knew? Uh, what, what about you guys? What would you like to plug? Uh, yeah, just uh, just the usual stuff. Um, you can buy my music at handloomlament.bandcamp.com um, and uh, that would be really helpful for me uh, because, uh, you know, that would involve me getting some money. Um, um, now that I don't drink anymore, um, I will be making some more music soon, uh, but I don't know when my next thing will come out. I've got a collaboration uh, hopefully coming soon on uh, it's a tape on uh, Front and Follow Records with um, my friend Kemper Norton. Uh, I don't know when that's out though. It'll probably be uh, next year, I imagine, or the end of this year. So I'll keep you up to date on that. Um, outside of that, yeah, that's all I've really got to plug. I will hopefully again uh, um, in the, um, the the barren wasteland that constitutes my life without a drink uh, be starting to write again, and I'm going to start a, a medium page when I do. But that's a long way in the future. So just download the music, please. Um, and yeah, get me on Twitter at the Ultimate Poo. Uh, I'll pl- I might have to change that. <laughs> oh no, please, please don't. I love it so. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, but yeah, just uh, as I said, um, yeah, I'm, I'm newly sober, so send me messages of support, solidarity, especially if you've also gone on a similar journey, that would be really helpful. Thank you. <laughs> Fantastic. Um, I have a burner Twitter account, uh, which I use literally to follow Scottish football accounts, so um, if you really want to follow that, it's Fahad M. Namur. Fahad M. Namur was uh, a Qatari player in the FIFA national soccer who was massively overpowered. So at Fahad M. Namur, I got followed by a Welsh independence group I met at Fur Hill uh, yes. a couple of weeks ago, so that was good. Yeah. You can buy uh, music from me at fastbook.bandcamp.com. I'm also putting out a new uh, release which is um, based on uh, Zack Sabre Jr. Uh, you all know that he's got the cremation lily move that he does, that he's done it once or twice. Um, it's named after like a, a weird experimental band yeah. called Cremation Lily. So I've decided to do a yeah. rip off like pat uh, like, rip off of Cremation Lily, but f- uh, based on Zack Saber Junior. So I'm doing like a tribute EP and all that because because uh, I met uh, met the guys behind Cremation Lily and they're all dead lovely and I wanted to and they've been a big inspiration and all that. So yeah, I'm doing that. That cr- that Cremation Lily record is really good by the way. Yeah. from like last year. Yeah, yeah. He, he, he's a lovely, lovely guy as well. I met him because um, I asked him. I was like, yeah, I know you because he's Zack Saber Junior. And he was like, oh yeah, I'll, I'll text him later on because like. Apparently, like, I think they were obviously into like, hardcore quite a lot like, when they were younger, and they were like, sort of uh, hardcore music and that. So they got in uh, for that, and then, um, yeah, they, they became re- really good pals. So they, they, they talk, like, chat all the time and all that, and it's, it's quite cool. But yeah, it's like, yeah, they, it's, it's gave him a, big, a bigger profile because of it, because people have seen the name Cremation Lily. So just goes to show when I become a wrestler and have a name, I'll name a hold the ship canal, and then it'll be you. I'm not naming it Skasky and Hutch, I'm sorry. Um, who can blame you fastbook.bankcamp.com um, as well as that I have a, we recorded an episode of a podcast with Pat Reed from Channel Islands World Wrestling called Pudo Trash we're reviewing some old judo sport wrestling from the 90s but that shit, I think we're going to record a couple more uh, before that comes out that'll probably end up in pro wrestling only to be fair and I'm also looking at doing another podcast regarding Glasgow football um, so have a look out for that I'll, I'm sure I'll write an update you with Daft um, advertisements about it near all the time um, but yeah that's me now okay well um, 
Yeah, thank you very much for uh, joining us for episode 19 of the Purple Podcast. We will be back with another Match Microscope in episode 20. Until then, adios. I've known that for seasons and seasons, but I'm still sticking at it. I've just 10 years of my life now. <laughs> I, I Every summer for 10 years. <laughs> did, did not know you were a Thronesa. Yeah, I love Game of Thrones. Oh, brilliant. Well, I say love it. It's more of a... Uh, well, it, obviously, it's gotten... It's, it, it is what it is, isn't it? Yeah, That's like, I, 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 yeah, I like yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, big fan. I got my dad into it, and like he's retired. So occasionally, I would like get text from him while I was at work at like three in the afternoon saying bloody yeah. hell Rob Stark and his mum are no more <laughs> oh god and he's just like dad like yeah yeah like I've um it, it, it's good it's good though because it, it um it's you know it's um I'm, I, as a kid I was really into fantasy stuff you know like fantasy novels and Warhammer and that kind of stuff and was a bit of a and so to have that to have what is essentially like you know that but influenced by like you know the War of the Roses and yeah. all like other mad stuff I've, uh, it's kind of my if, you, if, you, like if you're into it. fantasy I've got a, a book recommendation for you it's a, a book yeah. called uh, Jade City by an author called Fonda Lee who's a, uh, okay. a Chinese Canadian author who has basically uh-huh. done a fantasy novel based on like Hong Kong like gangster uh, stuff, ah, and it nice. and it's set in this. It's, it's like quite blatantly based on Hong Kong, but it's set in this world uh-huh. in which like jade is like a substance which grants people certain powers if they know how to wield it. Oh, and there's like basically nice. two rival clans, and they're doing like martial arts shit against each other. But like they've oh, got cool. magical powers, and like the world building is like really really good. And there's a sequel coming out uh, nice. this summer. Like I would like. Actually, if you if you come down, I'll lend you uh, soon. I'll lend you, lend, yeah, I'll lend you my I'm copy. It, like, it, look, uh, it looks cool. Like, yeah, like yeah, I've um, I've been getting a bit more into my fantasy and my sci-fi um, uh, recently. Actually, 
I like well, I've um the one that I, the the author that I really like of um the kind of um in modern fantasy stuff is um I never pronounced this right. Ch- China China Mievel. Oh, China Mievel. Yeah, I've I've read quite a lot of his um stuff. Uh, I've... That's, that's good. That's that that um that new new uh, cor- uh, Crover, Oh yeah, I've, I've recently uh... finished reading that. Um, I oh, nice. I wasn't like wholly sold on Perdido Street Station. Um, I think that's the first. Yeah, line, I think it? the world building in that kind of. It kind of um, uh, overwhelmed the narrative a bit, like there was sort of often a litany of place names and uh, and the like. That yeah. You, but uh, I adored the scar, which is the second one, which kind of yeah, it good. opened out into this. And somehow the world building doesn't feel like it overwhelms it, despite the fact it's yeah, it's uh, opened yeah. out onto this huge world with lots of different species and cities and yeah. stuff. Um, it felt. I think it's one of those things where you feel like he he maybe wasn't sure if he'd ever get another. Yeah, so he's like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna put everything in it. But like, yeah, because it's massive. As well, yeah, it's the, like the, the language of page long. Yeah, <laughs> the scar felt much uh, less claustrophobic, and uh, yeah. uh, Iron Council I uh, really liked as well. Like I, uh, yeah, that's I really thought, good. I thought yeah, that yeah, was good. Yeah. Um, I thought the middle section where you think it's going to be an interlude, and then he spends like 150 pages of uh, make your yeah. boy learning how to make golems, and yeah. uh, he he do, he he does a David Foster Wallace on you. Yeah. You think it's going to be an interlude, but actually it's a fucking entire subplot. Yeah, uh, he, yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he does like I one day I'll read. I'm, I'm saying this like I've ever read all of Infinite. Yeah, I was going to say like, one day I'll read. Infinite, I've yeah. got about 500 pages. I've, I've read, I've read the Pale King, which is 500 pages long and fucking unfinished. Yeah, 